Hello, everybody. This is Greg Fisher. Welcome to my podcast. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about the budget issues related to the pension crisis that has befallen our city. I'm joined by my co-host, Graham Shelby. Graham? Thanks, Mayor. So we've been gathering questions. Lots of people have been asking questions. We've been calling. Council's been getting questions, monitoring the social media feeds. You know, people want to understand what's happening with the budget, the pension situation, and what the options are for, for dealing with it. So what we've done is just gathered some of the questions we've heard the most frequently and got them in a list here and I'm just going to go through them one at a time. Sure. Well, I can tell you I haven't found anybody excited and happy about the situation on either side of the debate. That would be that would be quite the find. To well, find uh, the people are asking me to figure out how we can not cut services and not increase taxes at the same time. So I'm looking for that golden thread to pull through this. Do people ask you questions that seems to presume there's like a a special hidden pot of money somewhere within Metro well, Hall. Yeah, some people don't believe it's a problem, you know, so I think it it speaks to the general distrust of government, I suppose, or folks just kind of tuning in to what's going on. But, you know, the root of the problem is obviously the kind of restructuring of the pension systems in Frankfurt and in particular Kentucky retirement system changed their return on investment invest assumption in, of our pension funds. So, before the CERS system, the one that we're in, the county employee retirement system was funded at 67%. And when the retirement system changed the return assumption from 7.5%, which is the average return assumption across the entire country, to 6.25%, it took that 67% funding level down to 52%. So we're in relatively good shape, actually, compared to a lot of the other pension systems. There's eight pension systems in the state. The one that's the worst funded is the Kentucky Employee Retirement System for non-hazardous employees. That's funded at 12%. So that's a legitimate crisis. Uh, but ours is not. Right. We're at 52% with these changed assumptions now. So it's not like we're running out of money tomorrow or anything. It's always good to put money in your pension to get it fully funded, but there's not any type of near-term disaster force. So essentially what happened is the Kentucky Retirement Systems, based in Frankfurt, they say how much we have to put into our pension obligation, how much we have to pay for our pensions. And they used to say we'd have to pay this amount, and now they are telling us we have to pay a higher amount. Yeah, because they, in theory, there's a bigger hole to fill in terms of us to get us fully funded with our pension. So by law, we have to pay whatever that bill is that comes down the pike to us. So what's happening, starting in the current budget year, the fiscal year in right now, is the first $10 million. The next $10 million comes with our next fiscal year budget, which starts July 1st, and that happens for the next three years. So at the end of this, there will be an additional $50 million over where we're at right now. So that's about $136 million a year ongoing into our pension system with our FY23 budget. So lots of numbers floating around, a lot of FYs, a lot of government uh, jargon associated with this, which doesn't help make it easier for people to understand. But the, bit, the simplest way is is we've gotten a bill through no fault of our own because we've always paid 100% of the time, and by law we have to pay it. And we also have to balance our budget. So that means that we either need new revenue, also known as taxes, or we have to cut services or some combination thereof. And, of course, that's the process we're in the middle of right now with community conversations and the council conversations. Yeah, well, tell us, tell us where we are right now in the process of figuring out how to deal with this. 
So where we're at now, in mid-February, I put forth a revenue proposal so that we could increase the insurance premium tax to generate enough revenue so we wouldn't have to have drastic cuts in services because we're looking at really serious cuts. And when this increase is fully implemented, it would mean cutting 250 police officers, closing a fire station, uh, closing four libraries, uh, zeroing out funds for community ministries, you know, the list goes on and on. So it's, it's quite significant. We don't really want to hurt the momentum that we've got going in the city right now because we're really moving in the right direction. So now what's happened is council people have gone into their districts to hold community meetings. We've held some uh, larger city community meetings. The budget committee of the council is having their hearings. So right now we're in the natural stage of give and take in the community, back and forth, I should say, of what's important and what's not important. And coming out at the end of this, there'll be a decision on what the final direction will go as it relates to raising taxes, cutting services, or some combination thereof. If we use the insurance premium tax, which is the only tax that's really available to us to deal with this issue because we just don't have many options given to us by Frankfurt, the latest date for that vote to take place is March 21st. And that's because you need to give a 100-day notice to the Department of Insurance if our insurance rates are going to be changing in the city. So one of the questions that we've gotten asked a lot, I'm sure you've been asked as well, is why why are you talking about all these cuts? Why not, or why are you talking about raising the insurance premium tax? Why not just cut fat from the budget? Yeah, and that's a good question. People think uh, that can always be done in government. So we've been cutting and reorganizing for the last eight years. And what you see, we've created all kinds of new uh, resources and tools for the community, like our real-time crime center at the uh, LMPD. We didn't ask for new taxes to do that. We restructured, we reorganized the budget, we let some positions trade away. Same thing with shot spotter, same thing with office for safe and healthy neighborhoods. So we're always reallocating our resources. So as a business person, I look back and say, how are we doing compared to our peer cities? Are we efficient? So of the 19 peer cities that we compete against, we are the fourth lowest in terms of number of employees per 100,000 population. So in other words, out of 19 peer cities, we're the fourth lowest in terms of that ratio, which to me is a sign of great efficiency. So we're already running a lean budget. Then the next question to ask is, how do the external parties, the bonding agencies, rate our fiscal responsibility? It doesn't do us any good to be lean if we're not fiscally responsible at the same time. So the bond rating agencies like S&P and Moody's and Fitch, these are international organizations, rank our municipality in the top quartile of all municipalities. So we're seen as fiscally responsible and efficient. And I think what my job to do is, is to explain to the public the impact of these cuts, not just on services that will be rendered to the community, but also where it impacts us or where we compete with other cities. Our best competitors, cities, are investing hundreds of millions of dollars into their cities every year in streetscapes, transportation, parks. All we're talking about right now is keeping level with our operating budget, not even talking about competing at the levels of investment that our best competitors are. That's an important issue because when you think, how does a city want to grow? You need to attract talent. You need to attract businesses to town. And what they're looking for is a city that invests in its amenities and its quality of life. You mentioned the limited options the city has to raise revenue because of restrictions placed by Frankfurt. Some of the things that people have suggested are things like, you know, what about what about gambling, legalizing marijuana, restaurant tax? Uh, address each of those and other 
suggestions that yeah. you've heard. Yeah, so we hear about gambling, uh, marijuana legalization, taxing, bourbon more. So all of those issues, whether they're good ideas or not, we have no control over. Those are all state-controlled functions. Kentucky is a state that is very tightly controlled through the state capital, through the Constitution, so we cannot act on that. Restaurant tax? A restaurant tax is available in what are called the old fourth and fifth class cities, so the smaller cities in Kentucky, but not necessarily that small. I mean, tens of thousands of people. Uh, it's a 3% restaurant tax that's dedicated under this specific law to go to their tourism and promoting tourism. Uh, so we don't have that in our city. That would be a great option for us to have because with the increase in tourism and bourbonism going on, a lot of those taxes are exported. In other words, people that do not live in the city would be paying that tax. So we've been asking and pushing Frankfurt to give us more flexibility. Restaurant tax is one. The other one, of course, that we've been advocating for since 2012 is the local option sales tax, where our citizens would have the right to vote on specific capital projects. So far, no progress with any of that. So while Frankfurt always says they think local government is the best, they don't seem to give us many tools to implement real local governance. So I'd encourage our citizens to continue to talk to their state legislators and say, loosen up on cities and counties so they can chart more of their own destiny. What's the rationale for denying that? That seems political to me. I mean, when you say you're for local control, but then when it comes time to vote for local control, they don't do it. Then the other thing I always hear about taxes is, well, just wait until we do comprehensive tax reform. Okay, so now I'm in the ninth year of being mayor, my last term. I've been hearing that for nine years. So I wish it would come through, but in the meantime, uh, we need options. We need help. And, you know, the fact is that Louisville is the economic engine of the Commonwealth. We are the cash register of the Commonwealth. So what you're saying is if we don't raise revenue through an increase in the insurance premium tax, the only other option is cuts. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's like revenue or expenses. So it would just be like somebody at their household, right? They, let's say you get an unexpected bill for whatever reason, through no fault of your own, it's something shows up, it's $50,000. You're like, I can't handle that. What are you going to do? Well, it's like you either have to quit going out to eat, you got to quit buying clothes. You, every, every discretionary thing you have, you have to stop doing. Or maybe you have to get a new job, you know, to create more revenue. So it's the same thing with us. We either have to create more revenue through a tax or taxes, or we have to drastically cut services. Government's a service business, and in all service businesses, the majority of the expenses are people costs. So in our case, that's about 70% of our total budget is people, and about two-thirds of that is public safety. So people are saying, you know, we can't have any cuts to public safety. That's really not feasible because of the vast majority of the expenses that we have with our people cost are in public safety. So that's one of the things that people have, have criticized you for. They've said that uh, threatening to cut public safety is a scare tactic. Yeah. How, do you, how do you respond to that? To have a normal city government running with, with parks and libraries and community ministries, these type of things, uh, it's very difficult to leave public safety alone. Our police department alone's budget is about $185 million or so out of a general fund of $600, $625 million. So that's why we're having to impact uh, public safety budgets. One of the things people have said is that why didn't this come up sooner? You know, the list of cuts and the dollar figures attached to them were released in January. Talk about 
how we got to that point. Yeah. So I've been talking about the pension issue since the middle of 2017 uh, and calling for reform in Frankfurt. So I think it's a good thing we're going through this pension reform uh, process as a state. I wish we had more ways to address it, as I've mentioned before. So there's been discussion going on now for over a year and a half. Uh, There was final action in Frankfurt in December indicated what the specific path forward was going to be on the pension cost. We had new council members coming in at the beginning of January. They obviously need to be part of this discussion. Uh, So we've been in the process of meeting with them, putting out the specific cuts so people could really understand what they're going to mean. And the council will have been involved with the process from when they started, let's just say, from January 8th to March 21st. So that's about nine weeks total, uh, which there's plenty of decisions that families make and governments make all the time that are in less than nine weeks. So I think the main issue is is that people just don't want to have to deal with this. I mean, that's what I hear when I go out into the public, is which I am every day, is just kind of a, man, do we really have to be doing this? So, yeah, it's just the time is upon us. And uh, it was going to come sooner or later, and it's here with us now. Another question that we've, we've gotten several times is, why does the city keep spending on projects like the soccer stadium, for example, when we knew this was coming? Yeah. Well, we take a look at each project uh, in a standalone basis. Soccer uh, project is a capital project, which is different than an operating project. But nevertheless, we look at it and say, is there a good return on investment for the city? So in the case of the soccer project, we're taking – land in the city that had a very small basis to return property taxes for us. And out of that project will be about $200 million of new capital projects for the city. The taxes that are generated from that are a good deal for the city relative to what the city puts into that. And then the principal that the the city put in, in other words, the capital we will put in, also will be paid back during the time of that deal. So we take a look at each one of them and say whether or not it's a good deal for the city whether it's a capital project, uh, whether it's an operating project. The Omni Hotel is another great example there. That lot before was generating several thousand dollars of property taxes. Now it's millions of dollars because the Omni is there. The TIF district that it's in means some of that goes back to Omni to help them pay it down. But the net of that is that we get millions of dollars more in new taxes every year than what we didn't have before. Uh, some people have cited an article that ranked Louisville among the most taxed cities in the nation. Are you, familiar with, are you yeah. familiar with this? Yes, that's trotted out every so often when we talk about taxes. And so that's a largely discredited report. The, 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 the process they use is to take a look at the highest taxed city in every state and compare it to the rest of the union. Okay, So when you think, for instance, in California, there's – hundreds if not thousands of cities that have higher taxes than we do. Massachusetts, New York, New Jersey. You just go down the line. So all of those cities are at a much higher tax rate than we are. So the the process that, you, that they use is flawed when you take a look at that. And as I said, it's largely discredited. So people know that when they take a look at uh, average tax rates are about the same almost everywhere. And when you take a look at the country, Uh, Kentucky is about right in the middle because it costs about the same amount to deliver government services everywhere. So it's just a question of how you're going to apportion that between property taxes, income taxes, sales taxes. So we're competitive in that area. We do have an occupational income tax, 
And the only reason we have that is, again, because Frankfort keeps half of the taxes that we generate here in Jefferson County. So one other amenity that comes up a lot that as a suggestion for cutting in this context, bike lanes. Yes. I'm proud of one of the nicknames that one of the uh, radio stations have given me called Mayor McBike Lane because they feel like we have an awful lot of bike lanes in the community. Bike lanes represent five one-hundredths of one percent of our overall budget. So it's about $500,000 on a really busy year out of a general fund of about $625 million. So 500000 remember what we're looking for is a $65 million problem. So we can cut back on all kinds of things when you want to. It's interesting when companies look at coming to locate in our city, uh, in, in particular, let's say, technology companies. They will ask you, tell us about your bike lane network, because that's important for our employees who like to bike to work or like to be healthy. So I don't understand why it's turned into a political issue. It's really kind of unfortunate because there's people on all parties that support bike lanes. But I guess it's something easy to shoot shoot at. But the bottom line is there's not nearly enough money in bike lanes to uh, solve this problem. Anything else you'd like people to know? About the I think one of the questions is, you know, what kind of city do we want to be? Uh, Louisville's a city on the rise. People have seen all the investment taking place in the city driven by the private sector that says there's a lot of great things going on in this city. So we're on the precipice right now of breaking out as the next medium-sized city in this country, much like you've seen down south of here with Nashville or Austin. Indianapolis is doing a good job. But in order to keep that going, you have to invest in your city because we're being compared to other cities. So I hope as we're going through this problem that was created through no fault of our own, people will say, you know, for $10 extra a month or 15 or 20 depending on where you're at with your insurance rates, uh, I believe in my city. I'm very concerned about fixed income folks. When they look at their insurance rates and say, you know, this is going to be $4 or $7, uh, we can do that. Uh, but I understand it's problematic for people anytime they look at their taxes being increased. But you got to ask yourself, how will our city be better off? And we will definitely be better off if we continue to invest in our cities and we continue to have the momentum that we want going. So uh, that, in my mind, is the only way to go. And that's why I'm advocating about this, because I'm proud of our performance compared to our peer cities. We're lean. We're efficient. We've got great momentum. Let's keep it going. Mayor, thanks very much. Okay, thank you. This is the Mayor Greg Fisher podcast. You can keep up with the mayor, he's in constant motion, on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And you can subscribe to this podcast through Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever podcasts are available. Our producer is Joe Lord. I'm Graham Shelby. You can find out more about the mayor's budget and revenue proposal at LouisvilleKY.gov. Just search Budget FY1920. This is the Mayor Greg Fisher Podcast.